Hello and welcome to Negan Report, your weekly roundup of all the latest Negan news and all other photographic announcements that we found interesting. It's Constant here and on another side of the pond is... This is Becky. All right, well, we are number 57 today. There were apparently quite a few news for non-news week. So let's start first with something that hasn't been published yet on the internet. So we are here first. But uh, with the upcoming price increase, which uh, seems to be happening on 1st of April this year, Nikon already starting to increase their prices on their official Nikon store. But we're also starting to see a bit of streamlining of Nikon offers. For example, a Z7 II and Z6 II kits are only available now with a 2470 lens. So there's no kit with 2470 FTZ kit or let's say Z7 II with FTZ adapters. So it's only either Z7 II by itself or Z7 plus 2470 f4 lens. Yes, now there is a reason for this. One of them is sort of just general stock inventory. I know that we've experienced in the shop where you have six options for a kit. Um, the, the biggest culprit I think is the Z5 because there are options with four different lenses plus four different lenses and FTZ and it gets a little bit insane in terms of keeping track of, of stock and making sure that everybody gets what they want. But also the FTZ2, if you purchase it with a Z camera of any description, you do get the equivalent discount as though you were purchasing it with a kit. So it's done away with some extra packaging. It's a little bit kinder to the planet. It's still kind on your wallet and it just makes things a little bit easier for retailers, I would say. I see. Yeah, I'm just looking at, let's say, Z7 kits. So we had one, two, three, four, five, five different Z7 kits. So it's now down to two, actually, Z7 body and 2470 lens. As you mentioned, the FTZ adapter can be purchased separately. And then it is effectively you get an additional discount when you buy the things together. But what they used to have before is have a separate what's called SKU for this mm. product. So you couldn't just sell a camera with FTZ in two different boxes. You would have to actually order a product with contained camera in the box at the same time. So it's a little bit more intuitive. It's a little bit more streamlined, etc., etc. And then that applies not on to only to Z5, Z6, Z7. It also applies to Generation 2 models as well as Z50 cameras and ZFC. Yeah, absolutely. And just to clarify, it's now the FTZ2 that is generally available. We're not seeing FTZ Generation 1s anymore on their own. They haven't yet been officially discontinued, but I imagine that that's going to be coming pretty soon. So it will be the FTZ2 that you'll pick up with your kit if you buy a kit from here on out. Absolutely. So Nikon is yet to publish the increased RRPs for the UK and EU dealers. So stay tuned on this one. As soon as we have any updates on this, we'll get you updated as well. Next one up, Nikon has published their schedule for CP Plus online event and launch exhibition websites. Uh, now, CP Plus has been cancelled uh, due to COVID restrictions, so it will be online only. So... If you can speak Japanese, you can go to their website and there's a whole bunch of photographers and talks scheduled from 23rd to 27th of February. Absolutely. They did say that the content under the overall theme available is called Experience Nikon! Exclamation mark. Let's meet a new world. So there's some uh, serious enthusiasm there. They said at the Nikon online event under the theme of Let's Meet, we'll deliver Nikon online stage. This will consist of 25 groups of 33 photographers and videographers who are active in various genres. And they'll also have a web gallery of still images and video works by stage performers. So you will be able to sort of interact with the classes a little bit, uh, which mm -hmm. is an interesting kind of format because normally at these shows, 
they provide models they let you come and take pictures and they and they kind of do instructions so they're doing a similar sort of thing but adapting it for online there will be two-way communication with the viewers and the hosts as well um, mm -hmm. and they will also hold a special sale event on the official online shop over there which is Nikon Direct and a campaign will be held on their official Twitter account which is called Nikon Chan. All right so so Nikon is trying to do something interesting around the event but what do you think are we going to see any announcement we talked about it last week a little bit but what do you think what is highly likely to be announced? I think the idea is that they will have what's already available sort of being showcased let's say so that people can see the Z9. I mean, the Z9 really is Nikon's main talking point at the moment, as well as the Z6 II and Z7 II. It would be lovely if we saw a firmware update. I know we talked about that last week, so a firmware update for the, for the cameras would be great. The other thing that we've heard vague rumors on, and there have been some pictures online, whether or not they're the real product, we don't know, but the 800mm has been mm. rumored, and even I possibly turned up on B&H's website, although that's still to be confirmed. Yeah, it is listed on their website with a coming soon thing. But uh, at the same time, yeah, I agree. I think we will see an official announcement. We know it's being developed right now. So so I think it's just going to, they're going to announce and they're going to say it's coming, let's say, in a month's time. Here's up the full specs and uh, diagrams, etc., etc. Now, what do you think about H5 1.2? Do you think we'll see a development announcement at all? Or do you think they'll leave it maybe till March or April this year? It would be lovely. I don't know if they'll do it. I think it would be lovely to see an 85 1.2 official announcement i don't know this is not the kind of lens that they would normally do a development announcement before they do the actual announcement they tend to only do that for the longer lenses i find mm -hmm. i agree with you and i also think that h5 1.2 it probably has the least chance of being announced i'll tell you why because there are not many rumors actually around this lens so we have the silhouette of the lens that's pretty much it all we have so there's no leaked pictures or anything like this so I would be quite happy if they'll announce it. I personally think that the maximum we're going to see is actually a development announcement, not the the full release. Maybe they will pleasantly surprise us. Yeah, who knows? It would be great to have a sort of announcement panel, but I think we'll be quite likely to see those announcements individually anyway, just completely separate from CP+. Absolutely. On our full discussion of what we think is going to be announced before the end of financial year, so end of March, do check out our previous Nikon report, which is number 56. All right. Well, from Japan to United States, Intel announced acquisition of Tower Semiconductor for 5.4 billion American dollars. Good gracious. Why is it important to us and why we have it at the front of the podcast? Well, because Tower Semiconductor has been rumored several times to work with Nikon on their sensors. They manufactured some sensors for Nikon before. Z9 sensor is rumored to be and not confirmed to be a sensor manufactured by the Tower Semiconductor. So it is quite important from the point of, this is the company that worked with Nikon, acquired by another chip manufacturer, which is Intel, which is Nikon also worked with, but for other non-photographic side of things. Yeah, I mean, to take, for example, Tom Hogan's comment on this, because he did, he did write a little bit about this. He said, okay, we have Intel buying Tower Semiconductor, and he received quite a few sort of comments and questions of does this make Nikon a customer of Intel and he responded that it actually makes Intel a Nikon customer because Intel was already a Nikon customer for Nikon Precision Steppers apparently. In brief, Intel buying Tower therefore means that Intel will have even more Nikon Steppers in their 
fabrications. They already have a number of, of them for non-CPU chips. In summary, how Tom sees it is that the Intel acquisition of Tower is actually a very good step for Nikon as it kind of strengthens their relationship, which had slightly weakened over the years. So it kind of brings a stronger bond between the two companies. Absolutely. I agree with you. I can see you're really excited about this acquisition, Becky, but I also have a couple of things to add. So obviously Intel has been behind of the chip manufacturing for quite some time. They're a couple of generations behind in terms of manufacturing of PC chips at the moment, way behind AMD and ARM. So they're trying to push back for that. And I guess with the Tower Semiconductor, they're buying expertise in manufacturing this type of thing. So, and obviously going to a new, smaller manufacturing technology. So I guess the current process is about four nanometers, etc. Also Tower Semiconductors has several factories, not just in USA, but all over the world. So getting those is quite useful as well. And with a chip shortage, you won't acquire the factories that actually manufacture those chips. And also, obviously, an expertise of designing chips and semiconductors. So very interesting development. Let's see what's going to happen. As, as we mentioned before, Nikon is a client of Tower Semiconductors as well as Intel. So now they have to deal with one less company because one acquires another one. So very interesting development. We'll keep you updated as soon as we hear more news. Ah. My favorite subject, according to Nikon rumors, the next big Nikon Z9 shipment in the US is expected on March the 5th. All right, well, that's interesting. So according to other Nikon rumors, that now in US, people who are non-MPS members, but pre-order the camera on day one, which was, I think, 27th of October, they are starting to receive their camera. So that was published on 15th of February. So the good news is that it looks like all the NPS members who pre-ordered the camera, they already got theirs. And now the non-MPS members are starting to get their hands on the camera as well. Do we have any update on UK shipments, Becky? At the moment, we don't have a shipment date for another batch of Z9s. Our batches are, rather than increasing, actually decreasing in number recently. I've noticed that just in terms of a pattern, obviously we want to fulfill all our back orders. We're still working through day one orders as quickly as possible. Yeah. The Z9 is a completely different order of magnitude to anything we've seen before. So in some ways you can't compare the experience with a with an earlier camera release because nothing has been as successful as the Z9 in terms of pre-launch. There's never been a camera that's been more in demand. Absolutely. There hasn't been a worldwide pandemic which has caused delays, a semiconductor factory fire, and on top of that, Brexit and all the other issues we've had. So when the D850 came out and there were delays on the D850, that was purely down to manufacturing, not all the other things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the circumstances have changed. So actually Nikon is doing a reasonably good job with supplying the cameras to the public. Doesn't mean we have to like it. <laughs> I agree. The weight, the yeah. weight is always difficult. And uh, obviously with the product that is so popular and it's such high demand, it is painful to wait. It's very difficult. Another item that launched this week in the world is 400mm f2.8 Z lens. Yeah, so the official release date was the 18th of February in Japan, which is just a few days ago. We actually haven't seen an allocation yet in terms of communication from Nikon to say, oh, they're arriving in the UK. In fact, I had quite the opposite this morning, which was it's going to be another four, potentially more, four plus weeks before we see how many we're going to be getting in the UK. So, so far we're looking at four plus weeks for the first Nikon lens to land into the UK, but fingers crossed, hopefully we will see a little bit more clarity from Nikon on this delivery. Now, in the meantime, Chinese website SheTech published an interview with the developers of the Z400 2.8 lens. A few takeaways from that, there was a question which we've all been asking, which is with the 400mm having a teleconverter which gives 560mm, 
Will Nikon release a 600mm lens? They say, well, yes, basically, yes, stay tuned. We have different products in the pipeline. We can't say anything, but wink, wink, we, we are making one. So then also they also ask, will 600mm lens have a built-in teleconverter? And they basically said that the built-in teleconverter in their long lenses have been so successful that it's pretty much guaranteed that this is going to happen. Excellent. Another question which might be of interest is they said, how do you ensure the image quality and focusing speed after using the 1.4 converter, which I assume means while using the 1.4 converter? Um, their reply was that it has a special design image quality and AF will have a minimum impact. That seems to be the case with all the lenses that we've seen so far that have built-in converters. So. That's yes. uh, definitely a positive sign. Absolutely. The consensus that I see is generally built-in teleconverter is better than, let's say, a, a separate teleconverter attached to the lens. Now, the most important question they ask, will golden ring on that lenses return? Because 800mm has one. And obviously, we can't buy the lens if it doesn't have gold ring on it, obviously. So they said that, yes, it is the pinnacle of design. We're going to make one. So, and I think they would just say a spare one so everyone can just attach that ring on their lens and just be happy with it. <laughs> it's obviously a very important point. They did comment that the lens, the 400mm, is not equipped with an OLED screen. Mm -hmm. They've asked why will it become a norm for S-line lenses in the future. Now, they gave a, a reasonably good answer to that. It was that considering the characteristics of the lens and the target user of the lens, they have decided not to choose an OLED screen for that. They had feedback from pro photographers that indicated that a monopod is in use most of the time and there's no chance that they can actually see the OLED screen. So essentially it's a case by case process. They will continue to consider the characteristics of the lens and the need of their target users. Mm. Well, it makes sense, absolutely. If, you, if it's on some sort of tripod, the monopod is generally placed quite high on the eye level of the photographer. So yeah, generally you wouldn't be able to check, I guess. Makes sense. And then they asked why the VR switch has been removed. And they said, well, a lot of the things are now done through the camera menus and there are three different ways you can adjust the VR settings on Nikon Z cameras. The interesting thing as well is we're starting to see that a lot of articles being in the news from Chinese publications like SheTech. And remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the sales of super sales and where a lot of cameras being sold. And Asia, especially China, was one of the biggest bias of uh, Nikon equipment. So it is interesting that the Chinese media now is getting prominence in that. And then websites like SheTech are publishing interviews with the developers of the land. So we don't really see those interviews in the Western world yet. So very interesting development. I, it just confirms that Nikon is trying to sell the lens all over the world, not just in the West. Excellent. We also have now a 400mm reference manual available from the download center on the Nikon website. So if you'd like to have a little look at the instruction book before you get your lens or just out of interest, then you can go ahead and download it from the download center for the Nikon website in your region. Fantastic. And we have the first hands-on videos as well available on YouTube. Matt Irvin published two of those. So first one is the hands-on unboxing of first thoughts as well as images and 8K footage from the lens. So do tune in to his channel and check them out. Okay, so the next one up, we have some firmware and software updates. So first one up, Coolpix A1000 firmware. They fixed the following issues, which would, in rare circumstances, occur in modes PSA and M modes. 
They fixed nice. all camera controls would stop responding after the shutter release button was pressed. Some portions of the menu display would be corrupted. Golly gosh, that's quite a big deal. So I'm glad they fixed that. Cool pixels are getting some love. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> uh, it's good that they're, they're still working on those. Speaking of firmware updates, Nikon Rumors is staring stirring the pot a little bit with an article that they published on their website called Nikon quietly updated the changelog for the last few Z camera firmware updates. Um, okay, so let's discuss this. So what they say, they say that Nikon Z9 firmware update has several new lines added, while the other two updates just gained support of new Z400 mil lens. From a software development point of view, it is a bad idea to add functionality to an already officially released version. Needless to say that users will not have a clue that the release notes were updated. Just a bad practice from Nikon and I hope they will not do it again. I do not know how far back they went to update the release notes, but the Z62 camera still doesn't have support for new 400 Z lens. Okay, first things first, Z62 mm. does support 400 lens, it is in the notes and it's been there before. Second of all, Nikon did not change the firmware files, so they're still there, they just added more changes in the changelog. So effectively, if you updated your camera to the latest firmware, this functionality was already there. It just wasn't mentioned in the release notes. It is an interesting one because from one point of view, I can understand that I would like Nikon to be more transparent and more detailed with their change logs. Because obviously when we get the firmware update, we just see maybe a couple of changes, but the, you know, the firmware files are big. So I'm sure there's a lot more things that happen under the hood. So from technically minded person like me, I'd like to read about those little changes, even if they're a tiny bit, you know, so it's like bug fixes, et cetera, et cetera. But sure. actually not many companies do that. So it is an industry-wide problem where None of the manufacturers add a huge changelog list. So generally, I think the only companies I've seen is maybe Blackmagic, but everyone else is pretty much given two, three lines, and that's it. Yeah. From another point of view, let's talk about damage and expectations. What tends to happen is people post comments or they post articles or even videos or reviews or whatever, and this information that they put out there is then by the masses in general considered to be gospel it is therefore it is true it is on the internet so must be true an example is the z6 II and z7 II firmware there was a rumor published that we might see a firmware update there was absolutely nothing from nikon to suggest this it really was just someone sort of making it up as they went along and because of that it resulted in people thinking that the cameras were not good cameras and it damaged the sales of Z62 and Z72. I'm sure that there are many other examples, but I think the issue is if you are in a position of responsibility, whether you're an ambassador or an influencer, or you run your own blog or anything like that, you do have a certain amount of responsibility to make sure that what you put out there isn't going to, I'd say, upset people, but also stir the pot so much that it then damages the company you're trying to represent. And the problem is that your accountability then lands on the manufacturer rather than yourself, because it goes on the internet and everybody then targets Nikon in this case. Uh, for not doing something that you made up. I absolutely agree with you wholeheartedly on this one. We, let's talk about damage and expectations. So this article on Z6 and Z7 II firmware was published on 12th of July 2021. The firmware has not been out to date yet. Who knows? Fingers crossed. Maybe next week with the CP Plus we will see something like this. But there's literally were no confirmation from any other sources. They were 
no confirmation from Nikon themselves that something's happening. Now, as you say, it may hurt sales. It tells to people who already bought the camera that this, their camera is not good enough. And we see in a day and day after each video we do, when we mention the firmware saying, yes, thank you very much, but I still need my firmware update. So this is all based on a rumor from 12th of July and to date we see the situation. Now, obviously we all love Nikon rumors and let's be honest that Nikon rumors plays a huge role in Nikon community just because it's pretty much the main website for Nikon news. And obviously then we start to see tidbits on different forums, etc., etc. But as you say, mm. with a big power comes big responsibility. I'm not saying that let's not publish rumors or anything like this, but I think we need to think in terms of how much damage you can create as well for something especially that has not been confirmed. Absolutely. A part of the firmware updates, and Nikon also had software updates for NX Field remote shooting system. The new version adds support for Nikon Z6, Z7, Z6 II and Z7 II cameras. The support for mirrorless cameras added with version 1.1.0 enables remote operation of the silent shooting. This enables remote cameras to be used even in places and situations that require silent operation such as concert halls and chess matches. This new version also adds support for face and eye detection AF featured in Nikon mirrorless cameras for more reliable focus on the subject's face and eyes during remote shooting. Furthermore, focus points positioned throughout a broad area of the frame make it easy to acquire focus on subjects that are positioned at the edges of the frame for more freedom mm. in composing shots. In addition, the new version of NX Field supports interval timer shooting with compatible digital SLR and mirrorless cameras. Specifying the shooting interval and number of shots on the remote camera enables automatic shooting even from a distance. Apparently support for the new Z9 will be added later. All right, yeah, and just so you know, you need to have a WT7 wireless transmitter that must be connected to the cameras for use with the next field software. We also had an update to NX Studio, which has been updated to version 1.1.2. This has actually just fixed an issue with the white balance tool not producing expected results with raw pictures taken on the Z9 if applied while highlight protection was in effect or a negative value was selected for exposure compensation. Fantastic. Well, that's uh, really easy to understand if you can translate from that language to uh, English. Yes, <laughs> basically, if, if you were trying to fiddle with the white balance and you had highlight protection on or your exposure compensation was set to a minus number, then the white balance would do something a little bit weird. All right. And they fixed that. Yeah. Well done. Well done to them. We also had some updates from Nikon Tech Support as well. They've been on the roll. They've updated a speed light compatibility with Nikon cameras. So you go there, you find your camera, you click on it, and it gives you full compatibility from the latest Nikon flash gun like SB5000 to pretty much one, not the oldest one, but really old ones like SB17, etc. Still no Z9, so I think that's still to come, but uh, pretty much all other Z cameras and all other D cameras have been covered. Yes, they've also published an article on focus stacking, what it does and how to use it, which is great for those who aren't sure or don't know how to get the best out of their cameras. A lot of cameras have focus stacking these days. You might even not realize that your camera has it, so worth checking that out if you're interested in doing those sort of wide depth of field macro shots. Absolutely. And for some of us who just don't like to read, then Neil Freeman got you covered. So he has got a video on Nikon Europe channel where he talks literally about the same topic, but in visual form with pictures. Nikon School also published your essential guide to exposure as an article. So if you were wondering about exposure to the right, what bracketing is, active delighting, etc., they talk all about that, which is very helpful. Just some basics of photography there for, for anyone that wants to take their camera off P mode, 
uh, then do check it out. And for some of us who still can't read, Neil Freeman got you covered again. He's got a video on Nick and Europe channels that covers that topic. All about bracketing. It's great. <laughs> Absolutely. All about bracketing. That's my weekend read and watch. Now we've got some third-party news for you. This one's quite an exciting one um, because Casina have officially unveiled a Nikon licensed lens. Did we talk about this lens last week? We did talk about the rumor of it being announced and now it has been officially announced. And a part of it being out in a while, the important thing that you mentioned, Bex, it's been developed under official license from Nikon, which is really, really important thing. It's fantastic. So this is the 35mm f1.2 APS-C lens for Z-mount. So this is a DX Z-mount lens. As we went through the specs last week, we won't repeat them, but essentially it's a small and light, only 230 gram prime lens designed specifically for the cameras like the Z50 and the ZFC. Yes, absolutely. And then partly in their press release, Cassina mentioned how proud they are that they made it look like Nikon a classic MF manual focus lens. Yeah, and the fact that it doesn't have autofocus means that it's a smaller lens than a, than a genuine Nikon lens. And it looks gorgeous, let's be honest. It does look like old manual focus lens and it's so small and compact that if you use something like ZFC, it just looks beautiful. I actually have been shooting with the manual focus lenses recently and I did find that focus picking is pretty reasonable. It's, it's not too bad. And especially if you've got a nice manual focus lens which has a really smooth focusing ring, it just feels really nice. Absolutely. So now let's move to the important part. So the lens has been developed and manufactured under license agreement with Nikon and has full electronic communication with a Z mount camera. That means that in addition to EXIF information, the lens can work in a tandem with the camera's in-body image stabilization, work with the Nikon camera's focus picking as well. And so that obviously requires your camera to be up to date, but the good news is it's actually got contacts to tell the camera and the lens what's happening between them. Now, another point of interest is that Nikon Japan are also advertising this lens on their social network. So this is another proof of collaboration. I do think that collaboration with other brands is a is a very, very good sign for Nikon. Maybe even we'll see some officially licensed Sigma and Tamron lenses soon. That's what I'm hoping for. Mm -hmm. Christina has been a long partner of Nikon in manufacturing. I mean, they used to manufacture their FM10 camera, so the infamous FM10 camera, so which been discontinued about three, four years ago, surprisingly, around the same time as F6. But it's also uh, worked on some glass elements as well as lens designs for Nikon as well. They do run a Nikon F-line lenses, which we discussed last week as well. But as you say, the most important part is that the big player like Casino, okay, it's not as big as Tamron and Sigma, but it's not, let's say, TT Artisan or Viltrox. So it is a bigger brand, which designs a lot of lenses for a lot of manufacturers, as well as Zeiss Glass as well, some of the lines. So it is quite important to see that they have a licensing agreement with Nikon. So that may open the door to Sigma and Tamron. Speaking of Sigma, this is just over the press. They officially announced Fujifilm line of lenses. So that's already happening. Now, CEO of Sigma also mentioned that they are hoping to start to produce lenses for other brands. And obviously there are two major contenders now after Fuji, it's either Nikon or Canon. So obviously us being Nikon, we'd love to see any lenses. So there's a chance of uh, another mount a part of Fujifilm being developed for this year. Who knows, by fingers crossed. Absolutely. So what do you think, Becky? The future is bright? The future is very bright. I really do hope that it's Sigma that get that official license next. I would love to see some 
art series Z lenses. I think that what's been coming off the Sigma sort of conveyor belt recently has been very, very positive. Obviously, it's nice to have genuine Nikon glass and, and we will always choose that over anything else. But in the situations where there isn't a Nikon lens available, it's it's really good to have options and it just brings more people into the to the Z family, let's say. So it can only be a good thing. Absolutely. And then we're looking at this lens being a GX lens. And uh, we had a criticism in the past that uh, Nikon GX line of Z lenses is not very large. So and in terms of this, it's nice to fill those gaps by third-party manufacturers. So the 35 is actually 50 mil lens. It's 1.2, it's small and light on those bodies. So it's actually, it actually makes it quite compact. So I don't see why not, let's say, for Tamron Sigma, release something like 18 to 200 or 18 to 300 lenses in the, in the DX space. Release those uh, prime lenses as well. There are gaps to be filled. And in terms of this, if they go this route instead of just go releasing the com direct competitors to Nikon, then they will sell more glass. Absolutely. Moving on to reviews, Moose Peterson has published a summary of his first three months shooting with the Z9 and how it improved his photography with its technology. Do go check out Moose's YouTube channel. Another Z9 video for you is the Z9 for wildlife photography, first impressions from the field. This is by Tom Mason. Do go check out his YouTube channel. He has some fabulous wildlife imagery on there. Uh, and he's a UK YouTuber as well. And hopefully our customer. <laughs> Maybe one day he'll also be our customer. <laughs> Give us a call, Tom. Give us a yeah. call. All right, for Weekend Read and Watch, we will recommend you a live stream with Constantine and Seth Miranda. You can join in on Friday live stream. This weekend you have a live stream with Seth Miranda, is that right? Yes. You're replacing me. <laughs> I am. The last Friday's live stream went so well that we just decided to give you a permanent holiday in Florida. You can retire there. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. It's for the sea air and the, and the good climate, you know, it's generally quite a nice place to go and retire. I'm very much looking forward to seeing this one. You, do you have a topic in mind yet for Friday? I think we're going to talk lots of Nikon equipment, deliveries, where Nikon is going to go next. You name it. I think it's going to be a good conversation. If you've seen Seth's uh, live streams from Adorama and also live streams with uh, Rishi and Matt Irvin, you know what to expect. So come join us this Friday at 2.15 GMT for a wonderful conversation, everything Nikon. Excellent. Now, another YouTube channel that we'd like to recommend is actually for our German viewers. So if you are a German speaker and German photographer, you might enjoy Lichtformfarbe photography. Marcus has done multiple tests with the Z9 from the first look, which is called Was werde ich testen? This is my German accent testing here. <laughs> He's also done a Z9 autofocus test, sensor test, some hidden features, and an is the CF Express card faster or schneller, as they say in German. Is CF Express schneller? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so please do go check out his YouTube channel if you understand German. And if he's also asking for any suggestions of other tests that you'd like to do. So if you have other suggestions, go ahead and drop him a comment. He'd very much appreciate the support. Absolutely. And then going from Germany to France, France 3 published an interview with Tobias Schwarz, who captured a shot of a bullet firing from a rifle at the current Beijing Olympics. Apparently it was shot with Z9 at 32 thousandths of a second at 120 FPS. It's super impressive. I mean, do go and have a look at that just to have your mind blown at what technology can do these days. It is by far the best bullet shot I've seen. So yeah, do have a look at it. 
and hopefully you're going to have a great week. Thank you very much for watching us. Yes, thank you very much for watching and or listening. Please do give us a like and a subscribe if you're on YouTube. Give us a follow, perhaps even a review or rating if you're listening on a podcast platform. It would all be massively appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. We are on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, as you name it. And then also you can find us on social media places like Instagram. I'm Rebecca underscore Danese and you are? I'm at Konstantin Koshkin. Thank you very much. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.